There it is. I, Matt, am sipping on a little Jefferson's Reserve small batch. Very old Kentucky bourbon. Okay, okay. I'm on I'm on four roses. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> back to four roses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not quite wanting to get rid of the uh, top shelf that my parents brought down yet. So it's very close, but it's not that nice. And with a long-awaited return, I'm sure everybody's been on the edge of their seats. This is Up and Over. I'm Blake. And I'm Matt. And we're so happy to be back right before this final World Cup qualifying window begins. It is Wednesday, March 23rd at 9.25 Central. 7.25 Pacific. Yep. And what is significant about why why are we on March 23rd? Is there something coming up tomorrow specifically? Tomorrow is the biggest game of this qualifying window, Matt. We, the U.S. men's team, arrived in Mexico City, I believe it was this morning. Uh, it may have been yesterday. But arrived in Mexico City, they will play at one of the biggest football stadiums in the world in Estadio Azteca. I've been there, Matt. It's crazy. It is imposing. And I was not even there for a soccer game. What what were okay. you doing there then? <laughs> uh when I'm I lived Yagum, yeah, but, yeah, but when I lived provide, in Mexico, provide. I was there. My host brothers really enjoyed going to concerts and there was the the world like radio dance music festival was in three locations one of them in mexico city all on the same night so like they streamed in from other locations uh it was actually really cool i got to see um like don diablo and cheat codes and steve aoki uh and some other really big artists at that uh that night in estadio azteca but i'm telling you this stadium is massive it's like 110,000 people in there, just like fences so high around the stadium, and it still doesn't stop fans from throwing, you know, beer, batteries, bags of urine on players, like taking corners or anything. Yeah, it's nasty. Yeah, so it, it's like you it's like you relocate uh, Michigan Stadium and then amp up the rowdiness to 10. Yeah, more like 14, but... <laughs> uh, it, yeah, so uh, tomorrow is a big crazy. game, especially to start off the final window. I'm not saying it's – I mean, you're saying it's the biggest game of this qualifying period, but – I'm saying I that because it's the next game. And it's and it's USA-Mexico, so. Right. Yep. And I, I guess I'll, I'll hold off on that. But uh, what are we looking at for the table, Matt? Have we qualified for the World Cup yet? No, and nobody has technically. Um, Canada's taking that top spot, 
And if you aren't really paying attention and you have previously to a degree, you'd find that surprising. But, you know, they have deserved that top position at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And they certainly have taken command of that with a, what, 25 points? 25 and points. 25 points. And that still is not qualified. And uh, so technically, what are the odds that they don't? <laughs> uh, very, very slim. How how we talked about it, just so everyone can understand, is you know it's it's March Madness right now, right? So big college basketball tournament, and how often does a 16 seed beat a one seed? I think it's I think what I'm seeing is it's happened maybe once to maybe three times in the 84 year history of the entire tournament, something or something like that. Really. Yeah, it's. I don't know if it's rare. F. It it's rare. We'll we'll put it that far. Yeah, it is rare. Um, for Canada not to qualify, they would need. They'd essentially be that one seed losing to a sixteen seed, but not just once, three times over. Yeah. Okay. Like Canada does not. They've not locked up that automatic qualifying bid, but. For all intents and purposes, they have. They yep. get one draw out of the next three fixtures, and they're in. Yeah, so um, presuming that that takes place, that's one of how many spots that are punching their ticket to the World three Cup. Three automatic bids. Fourth goes to an intercontinental playoff against the Oceania champion. Yeah, I mean, certainly not a position that any team wants to find themselves in to have an additional game thrown on their plate, likely with extensive travel and logistics that are that just t- works against right. every player, every system. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going to leave it at that. There's three automatic spots and one that's more of a wild card. Where does USA sit, Matt? USA sits in second behind Canada. So we're in okay position and we're going to kind of detail any of our concerns shortly. Um, we have 19 points. So that's two games technically behind. No, 21 um, points. 21 points. Oh, yep. Well, we have 21 points. So we are a little, we're, we're still two games behind Canada in yep. that sense. Um, and where is the next position on the table? Uh, Mexico is sitting in third, also on 21 points. U.S. has them on goal differential right now, which I believe is three over Mexico. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's right. When I uh, li- last yeah. checked, we have a plus nine. They have a plus six. That so, sounds correct. So if um, that's why tomorrow is such a big game, it mm-hmm. will flip the. It has potential to flip the script or. You know, I mean, I would say flip the script for whoever takes the game. Yeah. Uh, sitting in fourth and fifth are Panama and Costa Rica, respectively, in, uh, I believe, at 17 and 16 points. Because Costa Rica has 16 is why Canada has not automatically qualified yet. Costa Rica could win their last three, one of which comes against the U.S., I believe, next Wednesday. 
and, pa- and Panama's 3rd. in that mix too. And all three Panama. of these games, all three of these games are playing against teams that have are fighting, have have a shot at this World Cup. So right. it's it's all on the table for every team. It sure is. It uh, it's also scary right now, Matt. Looking ahead, U.S. at least in Concacaf has the most difficult three games of any team and has not locked up that qualifying spot. And it's hard as a lifelong U.S. fan and remembering what happened four years ago not to feel some anxiety about this. And I know you feel it too, and I know... Especially with road games. Especially with two of these three games being road games. Let's not just stop there. It's road games at places where you historically do not perform, right? I think it was since the 1998 World Cup qualifying run, the U.S. has only taken three points in away games from Mexico and Costa Rica. Those are two very difficult places to play. They've never won World Cup qualifying matches in either. And since the 98 qualifying run, only have taken three points. Yeah, and we know that um, these teams are going to, as the phrase goes, CONCACAF their field selection. So you can expect Mm -hmm. some, uh, what, narrow fields that are probably not as maintained, but to the quality that those squads, you know, prefer for the Canada. such as this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, not what does it, um, why is a narrow field uh, a little problematic, Blake? Well, when you have players like the U.S. does, uh, that width, it's just easier to draw defenders out. When you think of players like Serginio Dest making overlapping runs and uh, overloading a side or, or Jedi Robinson, and then you have the attacking four of Pulisic, Aronson, Reyna, and Tim Weah, who are all so good in one-on-one uh, situations coming in from the wings or even playing under a number nine, right? So when you narrow the field, it just makes it easier to defend and stay compact uh, and not get dragged out of sorts, leaving an easy open one-on-one V the keeper. So, yeah. And to be clear, this is not saying that all teams are, are doing this specifically to the U S no. They do it to everybody. U.S. does it to other teams. It's the nature of the beast, and mm-hmm. that is this octagon situation, and it, it, it always plays out like this. It's a mess. Yep. I, I do think that the U.S. is starting to take advantage of it the same way. I, I want to say in years past, at least prior to the Costa Rica game and the snowball. Um, yeah. I, I want to say that prior to that, it, and I may be too young to recall, but I think that up until that point, as far as I know, they've just been playing on fields that they like, not necessarily considering the timing and the timing, location. like the Honduras match 
at Allianz Field in St. Paul on February, whatever it was, February 3rd, 4th, that I was at. That game was negative 10 degrees out. Honestly, game should have been moved. And they they acknowledged that, yeah. They acknowledged that. They had Austin as a backup, but a week before the game, they said, nope, we're keeping it in St. Paul. Because that cold edge and and some Andoreños coming up to play in negative 10 degree weather was just that extra bit of edge that uh, Greg and the U.S. Soccer Federation thought would be beneficial. So with but, that with that being said, let's get to it. Let's get to it. How many? Uh, yeah, we'll break it down. Um, I want to start, Matt, by going over the roster and maybe some omissions as well, be it uh, choice or injury. But How many people has Greggy B called into camp? See, I believe it was 27. Am I right there? I think that's the standard number, yes. We'll see here as I go through them. We've got three keepers. Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson, and Zach Steffen makes his return. Sean Johnson, not who? Matt Turner. Yeah, that's the notable omission. What's the situation there? Well, the other one I was going to mention is Gaga Salonina. He's the 17-year-old or 18-year-old keeper for Chicago Fire, who is off to an excellent start in the MLS season, by the way. I will say I am... Yeah, I will say I am surprised to see Sean Johnson on the list. It's been a while. It, well, I think he's been called in for first he's camps. Just, it's just he's always the third keeper, right? It's always between mm-hmm. Stefan and Turner. So he's a solid keeper. I just, yeah, yep. I feel like he just gets gla- like passed over visually on those lists. Yep, I I agree. Um, so yeah, I let's just I'm gonna start with the keepers. A quick little player recap: Ethan Horvath uh, replaces the injured Matt Turner, who. Um, is out with an ankle injury, and that issue's kind of been under the radar. It's it's kind of a nagging one. He is heading to Arsenal July 1st, um, but was loaned back to stay in form, in shape, for the start of the MLS season. Uh, so still with the Revs, and they were expecting him to maybe come back in week three. Uh, he had a setback, so he's still not back. Therefore, why he's not uh in camp right now which is a big miss but ethan comes in replaces him or maybe more effectively uh sean johnson replaces matt turner because i think ethan slips into the two spot behind zach Steffen, where johnson is your your third veteran presence Um, i mean yeah he's a veteran presence he's been in the league for a long time um i i've done a little poking and prodding. Ethan Horvath hasn't been around recently uh, and has Since. made his own shift to Nottingham Forest, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Nottingham and has, Forest. And has taken up really good opportunities with the number one goalie there being injured. He has stepped into place. And I want to – what, three shutouts? I think three games? shutouts. He started seven of the last eight, actually – or mm-hmm. yeah, I think so. Basically, since January, he's been the starter for Nottingham Forest. He's made a strong case for himself for the yep. squad in the championship, 
and with his current performance there, could potentially push them into a uh, promotional position. <laughs> yep. Moving on, Zach Steffen. He's only just come back from injury, right? And uh, he he was called into the January camp window um, and didn't play at all. He was having some back issues uh, and never actually made it in. Um, and then he dealt with a, a shoulder injury right after that. So I think he actually got his first minutes for Man City just this last weekend. Uh, did let a goal in, but I do believe they came away with the win. I didn't watch the game. And that does uh, make me nervous, though. Yep, it because, it does. Because, so with that being stated, I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe see Horvath take a start based on his recent form. And with... Yep. Uh, with Stefan's, he's likely to take the start, but with his injuries and lack of minutes recently, he might find himself in that number two spot. I kind of would hope that, and this is larger discussion later, that Bearhalter uh, balances the workload, which I don't think he's been doing that well. I think he will if we secure six points in the next two games. But <laughs> uh, anyway, regardless, it is great to see Zach Steffen back in the fold, especially with Turner out right now with that ankle injury. Great. Moving on. Defense. We have George Bello, Reggie Cannon, Aaron Long, Eric Palmer Brown, Jedi Robinson, Miles Robinson, James Sands, DeAndre Yedlin, and Walker Zimmerman. Notable omissions would be Serginho Dest and Don- John Brooks. Uh, real quick on those. I thought Dest, Dest was still on the roster as of late. Nope, he is not. Uh, he as is of when? out. Uh, if you look on the roster, he's not on there. Um, I think prognosis is about a month, uh, for him to come back. He left in one of Barca's matches, uh, two weekends ago, I believe he pulled up with a hammy, um, and limped yeah. off holding it. So unfortunately not, he's listed, he's, he's listed on the, what I'm looking at right now. He's not on the U S soccer website. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> Hey, this is hey folks. This is why you do your uh, little date check. This is from January twenty one. There you go. <laughs> oh, um, he, I doubt with because he's not going to play. So if he came into camp, um, I would be surprised if there was a thought that he maybe would be day to day towards the end. He may have still made camp, but I don't think he came. Well, regardless, we. Uh, have spoken on this before the right back position is deep uh, yes. as far as options. We're not saying I hate to use that term because sometimes I feel like it's not being used, but in the last window, I definitely saw uh, Reggie Cannon come out to replace Dest and had a much more significant impact, albeit a short amount of minutes um, compared to Dest's performance, which has been uh, littered with 
I'd say poor crosses and some uh, unfortunate positioning that leaves him trailing sometimes. I will say, though, it's nice that because there was a lot of talk about him moving in the the January window and Javi not favoring him. Um, But he said he's going to stay and work his way into the 11. And uh, Javi, at least shortly before the injury, was picking him regularly in his in his 11. So um, and let's also just say it's not the same Barca that everyone knows, right? Javi last year or so or or even going back to Javi's days right it's not it is not the same Barca and even when he's finished with this transfer transformation it won't be the same Barcelona that he played on but Barcelona is arriving and I think a lot sooner than people thought they would uh and so that turnaround and Dest fighting his way into that 11 before injury is really good um the other one I want to mention is John Brooks. I wasn't really going to mention him because he started off with a couple terrible windows in this qualifying cycle. Um, but he has uh, made his way back into um, playing time for Wolfsburg, and that's correlated with an uptick in their uh, wins. Um, and he recognizes and respects and understands Greg's uh Greg's choice to leave him off the roster. And he said, he acknowledges, right? He, he wasn't in the best form and he's got to get some things figured out. Uh, but he is going to fight and do everything he can, assuming that qualification is made for Qatar 2022. He wants to make that final roster. And, and that's the kind of story, you know, that we like to see. And, and I love John Brooks. He did have a terrible couple windows at the start of qualification, but I think when he's on, he is still the best center back in in the pool. Um, but he's just not been on for the last, you know, five, six months. But I will say we've seen from his absence uh, openings for new players in that role because he is what I think the oldest player aside from maybe seven uh, yeah. aside from maybe the goalkeepers um, on the roster. And he he has good number of years. He's battled injuries for a while, but his absence has opened up positions for some new young defensive players um, to make a case. I'd say notably, Miles Robinson had had killed the yes. last window. He really took it in stride. I'm very excited to see him continue this window. Um, I'm interested to see if EPB. If, or Aaron Long. If Aaron Long is going to get the start or if he'll play that back section because I think that um, the pairing that was in the last window, at least for the center backs, was I, I, I felt a little bit more confident about. There were Obviously, there are, there are some poor moments, but I do think Miles Robinson deserved um, his minutes. And yep. should continue. I agree. Miles Robinson has burst onto the scene. Uh, since the the tournaments last year, Nations League and, and Gold Cup, um, and he had a fantastic year, right? I, I think he was in the running for male player of the year, honestly. He should have been if he wasn't. I, I don't quite recall. But I will say he's been humbled a little bit in the start of the MLS season so far. Uh, he's been exposed uh, a number of times. So um, 
he's he's shown up in the international windows, and we hope that that's the Miles Robinson that we see and that he returns to form. Given his grit and athletic ability and, and the stage and just how big these upcoming games are, I think he will uh, he will find that form and, and be the Miles that we've come to know over the last nine months. So there's that. The other ones, the other center backs, let's go over. Uh, Walker Zim. I, I would say don't expect him to relinquish any hold on that center back position. Uh, he's been a staple for Greg after being left off uh, some windows um, and then due to injury or whatever being called on. He's just he's grabbed that and taken it. And I, I think Zim is a shoe in to start uh, against Mexico. Yes. No. And, and because he always he he brings that edge that he, he, I think yeah. will be needed. He, we've seen him uh, have a fire as he, everybody. He gets should. in faces. Yeah, he gets in faces. He plays. We'll, we'll talk about that when we go over who we want to see yeah. from Mexico. Um, but I will say this: with Aaron Long's return, and I, I, I feel, I feel a little bit more comfortable with the center back situation just on a, on a pure workload availability because yeah if let's say aaron long wasn't here and john brooks wasn't here it'd be eric palmer brown right yep you're looking at eric palmer brown and james sands who i feel was i feel james sands was called in because he's he's either your fourth or fifth center back in this roster right him and and epb uh, kind of in that four or five. Uh, but James Sands also has the ability to play like a, a defensive mid. So I think he also adds a little bit of um, depth to that defensive mid position behind Tyler Adams slash Kellen Acosta. Yeah. But all in all, I'm, um, I'm glad Aaron Long's back for the sake of uh, depth. And I think some seasoned uh, play in our center back position yep yep i guess one other omission was uh who's our boy a hoffenheim hoppy nope that's he's nope not. he's in mallorca what are you thinking matt god why can't i think of his name there's two actually at hoffenheim justin che just made his move and uh chris richards right i i didn't look into why chris wasn't oh, yeah. called in if there's a reason or what but that is another yeah, my, notable I'm omission. Really omitting that, but that is notable. Um, and I can't believe I. There's so yeah. there's so many there's so many to choose from. There there are I yeah. And for I think once, once it's in our defensive position, right? Uh, let's see who else we got though. Oh, Jedi Robinson. This guy's our left back. Easy, right? I still am nervous with his first touch. Okay, that yes needs work. You're not wrong, but, but that's that's this guy's our left back. That's 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 one thing, and he's still young. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's been yeah. one of the more consistent players for both club and country lately. I think, uh, and um, I guess it's probably been about a month since I checked. But when last I checked, he was like the highest or second highest rated player on Fulham. So he's been doing excellent in the English championship for Fulham right now. Uh, who else 
in defense. George Bellow, um, I think George Bellow makes it because Dest is left off, right? Dest has the ability to play both left and right back. Um, and so I think Bellow makes it because Dest is off, so we needed that little bit of extra depth at left back. Um, he recently moved to Armenia Bielefeld in January from Atlanta United, and I think he's actually been featured for them relatively regularly. Um, I did watch a game a couple of weeks ago. I think maybe they were playing Dortmund, and uh, so I, I tuned in to see Gio hopefully come in off the bench as he was coming back from that second bout of injury. And uh, to my surprise, Bello was playing and played the full night. I think he played the full 90. Um, finally, Reggie Cannon, DeAndre Yedlin. I will see both of them in the window. I am very interested to see who takes the 11 in this matchup against Mexico. But Blake, where's Tim Ream? Don't get me started. We're not going to go there. I'm deleting that from. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're leaving that in. Uh, yeah, that's getting cut. Midfield. Midfield. We've got Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, John Luca Busio, Luca De La Torre, Yunus Musa, and Christian Rodan. Notable. Omissions, Weston McKenney. That is going to be, I'd say, probably the most notable omission from the entire roster. Yes, in my opinion, because I think in most people's is, opinion, no, only mine. Everyone else disagrees. Uh, <laughs> um, he is easily the largest personality on the team and on the field that he's on. He, and not in like a bad way. Right. Where you have Tyler Adams as your anchor on this team, Weston McKinney is entirely not okay, not entirely, but this guy is the heart, soul, and engine to the team. And Eunice Musa is likely to be the person that is going to be pitted in that position. Um that in, or Kellen Acosta. In the dual eight. So yeah, but the, here's the here's the issue with that. Musa, I don't think has really found his form in the squad. He's great, but I don't think he's quite. He's been a little inconsistent, right? He's really young, trying trying to fit in and gain that chemistry. And um, Kellen Acosta has had good bouts. I just think he is not uh, finding that last little push through the final third to yeah. really link together a, a lethal attack. So so this is what I said to to a guy I play soccer with. Uh, I think Kellen Acosta and Tyler Adams are very like-minded players, right? And I think both fit a, a traditional six role a little bit better. Tyler Adams is your six. And so if Kellen Acosta is that third person in midfield with Adams and Yunus Musa, He's going to be employed in that double eight role that that Burhalter has shown to use. So Yunus Musa and Kellen Acosta in that double eight role, and I think 
Khan is a little bit he's just a little bit out of position there. He's he's better as a six. Um, so would you maybe see him put in a double six role and encourage them to teeter totter up into that eight? Maybe I don't. It it it's really intriguing because there's times where I think in these these qualifying windows where Kellen Acosta has played very very well, whether he's coming off the bench, uh, but then there's also some games where he's not played good at all yeah and um it's especially against mexico it'll be very interesting to see what what greg does because i think luca de la torre would be a very interesting play right he has great vision very technical uh but he's a smaller presence on the field and i feel like he could get really beat up against mexico but uh kellen kellen's nasty dude and i think that's i think i think it would be wise on honestly it'd be wise of uh bear halter to play him against mexico based on his history with the team and i think kellen has what it takes to enter that stadium i and, think so too you know, and and you know what if he puts it all out there as everybody should tomorrow um he's done his job and then yeah if if bear halter should I think he lacks – yeah, he needs to rotate more midfielders, especially this window now more than ever. That's all I'm going to say on that. Yep, I I would agree. Because um, Busio highly deserves minutes. Holy yes, he crap. Does. I don't think against Mexico he starts. I could see Busio coming in off the bench against Mexico or, or Luca um, or possibly both actually – coming on for Eunice and and Kellen but or maybe maybe Adams gets pulled off if you're afraid of things getting chippy because Adams is on a yellow so he gets another yellow and he misses the Panama game which may be a critical must win game um so yeah we'll see but you you start your guys and yeah, we're we're now we're now hitting the area where you can start to feel where the stress is starting to mount, and it's not. And in my opinion, it's not good that it's as we progress to our forwards. We don't. The midfield needs to be locked in, and Christian Roldan, I think, uh, will be coming off the bench if at all. Um, yeah, I. So he's there. I. He's 31 caps and zero goals. So if that really speaks to um, the longevity of his career with the U.S. men's national team, I think it means he's put the work in but just doesn't have that. Productivity has not been his strong suit on the international stage, which uh, I really like Christian Roldan at Seattle Sounders. I think he's a fantastic player in that system uh, and is a big player for them, but it is not translated to the international stage and – and I feel for him because I want him. I want him to do well, but he's just not that player. So if Roldan comes in, it's off the bench in in any of the three games. I think unless you get six points in the first two, maybe you start him against Costa Rica, and and you give guys that rest. But otherwise, he he's off the bench. Um, if he comes on, he's off the bench. So, um, but yeah, it, it hurts to miss Weston. Uh, 
And honestly, before the injury, he was the most informed player on this squad and the most impactful player. Uh, he was a, a consistent 11 in Allegri's choice. Um, and yeah, so it it, it yeah. sucks, and it couldn't have come at a worse time, but them's the breaks. You got to deal with it, and we just want him to get well soon and come back, uh, be back and and back playing for Juve, back for the U.S., hopefully in time for World Cup. On to the forwards. Solo pa'lante. We have Paul Ariola, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, Jordan Piffock, Ricardo Pepe, Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic, and Tim Weah. The notif- notable omissions include Brendan Aronson. You could throw Daryl DK and Josh Sargent on there. Not as much, though. DK has been dealing with injury. Aronson, though. Uh, I think there, there was a lot of back and forth about whether he would come, be day-to-day, and maybe get to play in the last game. Um, but he was a a scratch from Salzburg's game midweek or over the weekend uh, this last week. Uh, and I think I'm not certain, uh, but it, it sounds like it could be a partial ACL tear uh, with time frame anywhere from six to eight weeks for a return on that. He doesn't need surgery, though. Um also, I'm not 100% on, on if it is a partial ACL tear, but uh, strain. He has an injury that's preventing him from a, even yeah. being present. Which is devastating because he has been one of the better players in the qualifying windows. But where he is omitted, I feel like we've regained Geo. an excellent player. And let's just hope and pray that he has a good window. Not necessarily and when I say good, a healthy window. Yeah. Well, the good news is, right, he had that he came back from that hamstring injury that kept him out for like four or five months. Uh came in as a sub, played thirty minutes, and then like he got injured the next game. And guys just in tears, thinking it'd be like forever long before he gets back on. Comes back not as major. He's out two weeks, comes back. He He's played in their last three games. Uh, he came off the bench in the first two, assisted in that second game, and then he went the full 90 in that third one over the weekend, which is the best news of all that he went that full 90. Um, so, yes, we do yeah. gain an excellent player in Gio Reyna. Yes, and, and one that will notably help with – uh, workload for Christian Pulisic. I will definitely say that yep. because where uh, where Reyna has been absent prior windows, I think that's allowed teams to more simply shut down Pulisic, which is Na- yep narrowing which, on Pulisic, yeah, or at least give him a lot more hassle, double team, bump him. Thank goodness he hasn't been injured in those previous windows. Um, said previous <laughs> i know i'm i'm yeah. i'm thinking forward uh yeah i'm so i think with reyna uh re-entering this this situation 
they're going to have a dual. They're going to have a, at least a dual threat. And if uh, yep. Halter is smart, Wea will provide a triple threat and spread mm-hmm. the uh, defense wide on a narrow field. Yep. <laughs> um, so I'm excited for those three to show what they have. And I am confident in the depth that is actually in our forward position. They just need to be, I think, willing to take shots. Mm-hmm. I, the U.S. has a tendency to try and get it as close to the net and then poke it in kind of thing. They need yep. to let's, be – Let's I take think some Gio chances. Reyna, I think Gio Reyna is a person that will take chances. Um, from 18, I, from 20. Yeah. I, I've previously maybe not liked seeing Ariola's name on the list, but I have since been proven wrong. I think he's 100, 125% uh, earned his position and respect on this squad. For If if you haven't been watching, you, you shouldn't speak against him. He's put yeah. everything on the field. He's, he's not one, two, or three, or if Aronson's in the mix, he's not four. But he's earned his way into that role to come off the bench. Um, and the guy works hard defensively when he comes. Like, he's all-out sprint, works hard defensively, gets back behind the ball. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I have no problem be, with him. I think he could be a, a, a spicy addition to tomorrow's match. <laughs> oh boy against an aging mexico team because let's just say this mexico is not bringing on young players they are sticking with a veteran roster tata is probably out in december after the world cup we'll i will say the, yeah the thing that I, that does make me nervous though i mean i'm i'm happy that he's healthy and back to playing but i forget his name he plays for wolves um uh jimenez yeah, I you know like he had a horrific injury, and I'm happy yep. he's still able to play. But he is certainly going to be an issue. Man's coming off a red card against their loss to Leeds. Jesse Marsh. Uh, <laughs> Leeds was down 0-2 at half and came back to win with uh, two goals in the 60th, the 60th minutes, uh, and then. Uh, they had a stoppage time winner. Uh, but yeah, Raul Jimenez is in the mix again for Mexico. Uh, and then flanking him, he'll have um, Chucky and uh, Tecatito. So, yeah. So yeah. It, it'll, it'll be, be tough. Be... But for our number nine, Matt, Jesus Ferreira. He's coming in hot off the heels of his first hat trick for FC Dallas. You got Ricardo Pepe, El Train. He who has, has been who has slowed. left who has left who has left FC Dallas. Yep. But he's <laughs> and, been slowed and he's not particularly enjoyed his start abroad. It's been a rough start to life over there. But is this the storyline you want, right? This is a guy who was a dual nat, grew up watching Mexico in I think El Paso, right? Grew up watching Mexico. Family is a Mexico fan. He decides to play for the U.S. He's not enjoying a good spell right now. Uh, minutes aren't the easiest to come by. He is seeing some, though. So, I don't, go listen to ESPN 
FC and Sebastian Salazar and Hercules Gomez talk about uh, do you start Ricardo Pepe against Mexico and what it would mean for the 19-year-old to come on and play with the extra fire of being that dual nat in the striker position and just like... If he does, if he does, and I, I think I would honestly like to see that, but that would also take Greg Berhalter to, you know, have the wits about him to make a sub before the 65th minute. We're, we're kind of getting all over the board. There's one more name in that strike. Well, Sorry. Jordan Morris, you and I both love Jordan Morris. And if he gets on, like, we know his downfalls and we know what he's good at. Uh, and he's, he's pretty consistent with what he can do, right? So we know what we're going to get out of him. Uh, he's recently back from injury and, and back with the Sounder. So probably I probably don't want to see him with the options that we have in the Mexico game. Uh, but, but we'll see how that goes. Otherwise, I'm happy for Jordan Morris to get some, some minutes. Uh, the last name, though, Jordan Pefok. The guy cannot stop scoring for young boys. He, I'm pretty sure, leads the league with like 17 or 18 goals in league competition and 24 across all competitions. Right, The guy is scoring. He is having an incredible year. He's made a very, very good case to be the starter against Mexico. Um, I, I mean, it... Just his production, it's very hard to just gloss over it and, and step away from it. So we'll see. But but that is the roster. So all in all, Matt, how do we feel about who's called in? Did he make the right, apart from injuries, how do you feel? I don't Put it on a scale if you need to. I, th- I don't have I don't have a scale to provide because that'd be a sliding scale based on the actual window itself. I yeah. think I, th- I think he's picked I think he's picked the best squad he could given and I'm putting injuries aside. I don't and I there for for Spencer, the most part. I think yeah. There, would, there's a couple. Say, where, who would you say is not a good selection? Um, I think, again, you and I don't know exactly why Chris Richards was left off, but I think uh, that's one that I would have preferred to see if he's available and healthy over um, Eric Palmer Brown or james sands but also i get i get the call of james sands because he provides that additional depth that defensive mid if you need it um but i also haven't looked in to to epb for a while so i I don't know if palmer brown has has been in good form recently um he's kind of fallen off my radar a little bit so we'll see if he gets a chance at all to show where he's at this window but but that's really i think the biggest question mark um, well, I mean, if you look at the numbers on this squad alone, he's coming in as the player with the least caps for the U.S. Yeah, 
I, I believe. With, with two. So, he has two. Yeah. So, so that that is a glaring question mark by itself. Yeah. Not not to say that Chris Richards has I think Richards has like seven. Um maybe I know, not even I mean, that there's much. A, there's a hand but, I mean the next closest is five. I, I, yeah. And time and time again, Bearhalt and it's been multiple articles written about it. Bearhalter consistently fields incredibly young teams mm-hmm. just based on what he has at his dispense. But, and not knowing Chris Richards' situation off the top of our heads, that is, that's a, that's a glaring question because two performances, and he's not been, he's not new to the scene. He's been around. Right. And he's been, Clearly, he's been left off for reasons before. Mm-hmm. So now he's on. Why him over, say, someone else? Like, why would you bring in Eric Palmer Brown with two caps and questionable performances in the past over John Brooks? Or, you know, why would you bring yeah. him in over John Brooks with the seasoned play? Even if you don't play Brooks, or even if you give him like scrap minutes towards the end of the game to close close it out, right? You know? Yeah, and, and it's question. not like it's not like Palmer Brown showed in the last win. Like he wasn't even in the last camp. He hasn't been in camp for a while, right? So it's not like he he's been in the last couple camps and finally just got caps last time and he's in good form. It's we haven't seen him for a while, and maybe it's on us for not keeping tabs on him and and looking a little bit more closely. Uh, on us to an extent, but that, that to me is just like, that's really the one question mark is, is Eric Palmer Brown and maybe just a little bit James Sands, but I really, this squad has, has depth that we did not see in the previous qualifying cycle. Um, and so for the most part, it's a matter of using it, it's a matter of using it and to, its strengths and properly, mm-hmm. which and, I would argue has only been seen on home games. Yeah. Bearhalter has done Jack on away games. And this is why we're in a position that's so up in the air. Yep. Um, let's give Burhalter the credit though for last year calling in basically two entirely different squads for the Nations League and Gold Cup, right? Because that provided some some pivotal experience. Um, and looking ahead now, I do think that, that that experience has led to the depth that we're seeing into this final qualifying window where we feel more comfortable than, you know, with those big four injuries. In previous cycles, we would have been like, oh shh like head exploding just like there's no way this is terrible now it's like these are big hits but we have pieces in place and obviously it's not our strongest but it's not that bad right it would be it would be a completely different thing if he didn't split squads and then we started seeing names that we've maybe heard in the background but never seen in a U.S. jersey. That yep. would be a lot more daunting. So I agree with you there. And we'll just have to wait and see. And that's going to suck. 
having to wait and see. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow is where it starts. How can you watch the game, Blake? Uh, you can watch the game on CBS or Paramount Plus or uh, TUDN in the states. Uh, I don't in Mexico. It's like TUDN Universo. Blah blah blah. What CBS Paramount Plus? Those are your options, pretty much. In in the states, it is a ten Eastern start. Uh, I'm still unsure if that's coverage start or if or if first whistle will be at about that it's time. It's never certain. They say it starts at 10. Yeah. It'll so, probably start at 10.30. I don't know, but I can't wait once again to see Clint Dempsey, Charlie Davies, and Aguchi Yewu at that table with Kate Abdo. Call, oh, I love that crew so much. Clint cracks me up every time. Um. But Matt, I, I have a few more questions for you before I think okay. we're we're getting close here to wrapping up, but I got a few more questions for you here. And I feel like I already know your answer to this, but I want to bring it up because there are people out there who who think this way. And uh Hercules Gomez actually made a Twitter poll about it yesterday morning, and it was pretty close. It was like forty I think he it was like forty seven fifty three percent was the split the question is do you save players for panama or do you go to the azteca all in trying to get three points because the azteca historically is a place where you do not come away with results you're playing at an altitude of 7200 feet right in a very hostile environment it is hard to get a result there right Getting a draw at the Azteca feels like a win because that's how difficult it is. Um, and so there there are people out there who are in the mindset of you sit players and you save your best 11 for Panama because that is the absolute must-win game as they're in fourth position right now. And you don't win against Panama, then things are really looking bad. But if you win against Mexico, things are looking a lot better. So, and this is where it's even more difficult because Bearhalter doesn't know how to sub at a good time ever. <laughs> um, if he subbed, like even if he subbed in the first half, you know, got like you're going to get your, which is dumb for me to say because that's incredibly risky. But if he subbed before the 60th minute, I'll put it that way. I, I wouldn't mind bringing on a sub at halftime even. So depending I'm gonna on game say, flow. I'm going to say he needs to be at least 90%. I, I would say 90% strength, which is not really answering your question in the black or white way. So I would say he needs to start with 90% strength, but with the preparation to make the switch switches that uh, bring it to 100%. Because I do think it is risky going in at 100% and having absences in the lighter games. But I'm not... It's... it's Okay, yes, it's risky. But the, here's here's the thing. What, what would you consider 100% strength? Because we were just talking about Ricardo Pepe. If you start him, would, are you considering the squad at 100% strength? Let's right. say you ha- don't start Pulisic, but you start Pepe because of tenacity. 
So it depend. I think defense defense needs to be a hundred percent. Midfield really doesn't look like we have much choice. And forward, <laughs> it's it's um, true. It's true. Um, the forward position, I I think that's where it gets interesting because uh, you you could you could really. I I'm I I'm nervous about Reyna coming in off like right away to Mexico because I want him to have a full healthy window and Mexico is a team that I think can prevent a full healthy window for a number of players. So very cheap. Let's just take a look at the number of of uh, hands to throats that we've seen in the last five games against Mexico. Yeah, ridiculous. But the thing is, it would be nice if you know. Uh, the fans aren't allowed in the stadium because you know what's going to come from the game. Well, not only that, but there's been that huge brawl in Queretaro in in the Liga where a bunch of people game. were killed. Yeah, uh, last I saw, it was like the death total was 17. like tw- seventeen. Now, I don't, I, I, it was, I, it was it's been a yeah. while since I've looked into it, but when I last looked into it, it was twelve with several more hospitalized. And yeah, it, if it's up to like it terrible and there were questions raised about are you going to let fans or like full stadium capacity into this game because of course they are of course they are because there's because and that and on top of it Concacaf has no repercussions against the entire federation of mexico soccer when i honestly think and you know what people can hate me for this take if if they feel like it's different or they support mexico whatever I think the actions on the field, some not entirely, but a good chunk of the time, hands to the throat, and then on top of that, the fan base. I, I honestly think that it should be a situation where Mexico should consistently be pitted without fans, home or away, yeah. until and it's deserved. It's well, it's well overdue, and they deserve to suffer in that regard of support. I, I cannot tell you how mad I will be if that uh if that chant comes out right and and that is a, an offensive word it is a homophobic slur in spanish right if that chant comes out i will be extremely upset and if you know it's going to though i know but if if concacaf doesn't do anything which they won't right they they like lifted the initial sanction or whatever they had on them and reduced the ban on fan. Yeah, it. Yeah, anything that they've done is a slap on the hand, and that's it's exactly why it's an issue still. Absolute horse crap, and it's not going to change until there's serious repercussions. Um, so yeah, it it it. But anyway, talking about who's called in, how you feel, whether or not you go all in against Mexico. I think you play the game in front of you, right? You go and get three points against Mexico. That is huge toward making sure you qualify. Not only are you knocking Mexico into an incredibly uncomfortable position, but you've put yourself in an excellent position to to qualify, to play through the rest of the games with, with less worry. And, you know, it's yeah. – <laughs> which, which I hate to say it that way because – I've seen the last World Cup qualifying was full of away game complacency. Yes, this, it was. This series of qualifying let's not has forget had of, has had a lot of similar notes to it. And that last 
game against Costa Rica is away in another place where you have difficulty getting results. You don't want to go into that Costa Rica game needing a win, right? The only, the only, the only silver lining to the fact that the U.S. has just floundered through their away games this entire World Cup qualifying is that Panama is in the position that they are, so it's not like a low tier game where you're like, oh, it's Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. B. Costa Rica, they're also old, but it's Costa Rica. They mm-hmm. have a really, they they have more of a known history to being good. So I don't think the window is allowing anything to really be overlooked. It's just a matter of executing it. Right. Uh, another another way of looking at it is. A win against Mexico is huge toward your qualifying bid. A win against Panama exponentially increases your chances of making it. Because the win against Panama leaves Panama at zero points for that game. And and that opens the window a lot better for the U.S. to make it. Um, and so so that's where some of that, that, that thought comes in against or for for those who think you maybe save some legs like Christian Pulisic um, or and or Gio Reyna or someone for for uh, Panama and not play them against Mexico but I think you play the game in front of you you try and get three points because the worst thing you can do is is not play for those three points and then you don't get a result against Panama and you have to get a result against Costa Rica Right, that is not what you want to happen. If you go into that Costa Rica game needing three points or even up, even just a point, right? Because that is nerve wracking. We've been there, yep. and I was in Mexico with my host family and my host brothers, laughing in my face when we failed to qualify. That was I was in tears. It was the worst, one of the worst feelings I've ever felt, and. uh don't want to go through that again. Um, so Matt, but we're not gonna we're not gonna discuss that ends at all for any reason, right? For here nor there. <laughs> so we're gonna cut it off. Are it's we? Gonna be, it's gonna be an exciting window. Two things. Um, Two things. I want to hear your starting eleven. My Mexico. starting eleven. Yep. Stefan at keeper. You have Zimmerman and Robinson centering. You put Anthony Robinson, not Miles Robinson, out left Mm -hmm. naturally. And I would like to see – I want to see Reggie Cannon get a start, but I think Yedlin's going to get that position. I agree. And and Yedlin – not to say Reggie Cannon doesn't have that little fire, but I think Yedlin has that little bit of edge that he's got um, the season. He's a season veteran for he's, this. He's the veteran. And I think uh, he, he's not willing to be chippy back at Mexico either and, and take the fight to them. So I, I do agree there. I think Yedlin ends up getting the start over Reggie. Um, if Yedlin starts, I think Reggie comes in off the bench. 
Um, I I yep. am very certain about that. Uh, but either I I'm that same back five, right? Stefan at the back, uh, Anthony Robinson on the left, Zimmerman, Miles Robinson. Uh, those are all the same for me, along with um, either either at right back. I think yeah. I'd like to see Reggie a little bit more, but I do think Yedlin will get the start. Mid- midfield. Knowing Bearhalter, Bear midfield's going to be Adams, Acosta. And Musa. And I, uh, I don't know, though. Here, I'll, I'll put it this way. Eunice Musa with McKinney out, he will have to have his best three game stretch for the which US. is why which is why I think it could it, it could be a shocker but we could see Christian Roldan start I'm not saying I like that but knowing bearhalter's tendencies let's not be too hasty now and say it's gonna be musa I would Honestly, like it to be but I think uh, this is I my think he would start yeah yeah okay you're right. you're right you're right you're right okay so, so you got your midfield Adams <laughs> Adams and and Musa. Okay, forward, in the top three. Forwards will be. I'm going to say Polisic. It's a no-brainer. Um, on the left, Weya on the right, and I do think he's going to put Pepe in the center. Okay. All right. Interesting. What? Uh, Geo even. In an interview, he said, "If if Greg thinks that that that's where I'm needed, I would play in the middle, and actually, that's my favorite position. Do you think that we see Reyna in the middle at all this window with Weston out? Yes, I think he should be because. But do I think Bearhalter is smart enough to do that? No, because there's been times hey. where he puts Polisic in dumb positions. Yeah, yeah." So, uh, all right, but that's I'll, that's mine. I'll go with my midfield. Uh, would be Adams as your six. I do think Acosta gets to start as one of the double eights, and I do think he will start Musa. Um, an intriguing play, I think, would maybe be De La Torre over Acosta, uh, just because of of the vision. And more, I would say, attacking prowess um, and technical ability on the ball that De La Torre has. Whereas I think uh, Adams and Acosta are not like for like, but but closer to like for like. And Acosta sits better as a six than an eight. But um, just due to his his uh, his grittiness and and his fire, I I do think he gets to start. And I I think Moose and Adams are the two with him. And then my forwards, uh, I think you got Christian. And then uh, I I think Weah probably gets the start here. I think Berhalter may be a little cautious with Reyna and bring him off the bench. Um, although I, I could also see him starting Gio. Uh, but I I think Weah, and also Weah has been phenomenal uh, the past like three window, two windows, three windows. So reward that he's been one of your best players. Um, and then in the middle, I don't know, man. Pepe, of course, is a story that we all want to see. It's hard to go against Pefok, uh, 
But honestly, I think Jesus Ferreira combines better with his wingers. And when you look at, like, Christian Pulisic is in great form right now at Chelsea, and Tuchel is picking him for big matches, uh, right? But when he's picking that Havertz is that nine starter in, in that formation over Romelu Lukaku. Big signing, but Tuchel is getting better play out of Ziyech, Mount, and Pulisic when Havertz is that nine as opposed to Lukaku because Lukaku's looking to hold up, create a shot for himself and wants that service, whereas Kai is willing to do a little bit more dirty work, come back, check in for the ball, and play off of his other players. And that is when Pulisic is at his best as opposed to that traditional like big target number nine role. Um, and so I think when you look at what are you going to do to get your best out of players, uh, I think Pepe could be that guy, but I think Pefok's a little bit more like Lukaku um, and doesn't quite combine as well. So I think it'll I think it'll be Pepe, but I, I won't be surprised if it was uh, Jesus Ferreira either because I think Ferreira combines a little bit more with, with the other two attacking players. Um, the last thing that I want to end on, and this doesn't necessarily have to do with the window, but Jesse Marsh made a, a recent comment on negativity. Have you seen this, Matt? No. Okay. So I've seen this comment on being like Ted Lasso, even though he doesn't really like oh. that connotation. <laughs> Anyways. So the quote was, if the fans really want the team to do well, then the negativity is counterproductive. Uh, and so uh, do you agree with Jesse Marsh? Uh, or do you think it's too Ted Lasso-esque from the Leeds United manager? In regards to speaking towards the U.S.? Yes, yes, he's speaking towards the U.S. men's national team. Um, if the fans really want the team to do well, then the negativity is counterproductive. Y- yes, I, I think the U.S. soccer fan corner is honestly a bit toxic oh it's so toxic i mean as is as is any as is any super fan group but it's it's i mean it's armchair analysts that i mean we're we're at well we're being hypocritical to a degree by talking the way we are but i also think we consistently come from a place of support not saying we've played so, at any high, super high level, but we've, I think, recognized and played at enough of a level where, yes, we know the potential. And I think the criticism towards Bearhalter is fair, but I, because, and we're not going to dive into that at all. I will consistently support the players. I don't have to like their performance, but right. that leaves no ground to directly surmount any sort of negativity in their direction so so there there were two point two points that i wanted to make when i heard this and thought about putting it in the the recording tonight um the first one going off of you is is uh i think a lot of people i remember seeing a response to this and it was like don't get me wrong i wholeheartedly love jesse marsh but then he went on to to say something about 
you know, like we're not doing anything and we're not holding, you know, Greg and the players accountable if we're not. But I don't think Jesse Marsh is talking about not holding people accountable, right? He's saying, or at least, you know, what I think, and, and I might not be right, but I think the interpretation should be that plain negativity adds fuel to a fire, right? Negativity breeds negativity. And I, I, I talked to you about that quote right before. Uh, I think what he's saying is that we shouldn't, I think he's saying that we shouldn't not be critical what we shouldn't do is be negatively critical, right? We need to put last qualif- like last cycle qualification to get to Russia behind us because we've we're now here and a lot of our concerns stemmed from that. We're here now with almost an entire new face and program. Right. I'm not saying they're performing at an entire new level, but it's a different cycle. Exactly. It needs right. So, the so the negativity that comes with, I, I guess we'll put it this way, right? You can be critical without being negative, right? You can be negatively critical, but you can also be objectively critical, which I, I think you and I, at least I hope, is what we do and what we try to do. Um, but I, I think what Marsh is trying to say and what what people are are missing. Um, is is that it's okay to be critical but that negativity that is no good and i and this brings me to my other point is that Jesse Marsh has a proven track record that positivity leads to good things right he's not ted lasso right but he but has he, shown yeah. that Positivity leads to good things. And and I talked about that comeback against Wolves uh, just earlier in the episode. Coming down from 0-2 at half and getting a stoppage time goal to win 3-2. Right? It's so early in his days at Leeds, but his positivity and and his his ability to just get his best the best out of his players, right? And get them to buy in. It doesn't matter if like the tactics aren't there. What it's you go out there. You try and you give it your all. That's all I can ask of you, right? If there's things that go wrong, we work on that. We fix it. But all I ask is that you give 110% and and we move forward from there. If there's things wrong, we talk about it, we analyze it, we work on it, we get better, right? That's where he's coming from. You don't sit and you stew and be like, you don't play your biases, right? You None of that. You analyze, you talk about what, like why it went wrong, what can be better, you then take that and apply it and practice it and then you put it into the game. And so I think a lot of people miss the mark uh, with that one um, from Jesse Marsh. And, and I think he's someone that you and I both see as a future U.S. men's national team manager, or at least we hope so. Uh, how far in the future that is, we'll see. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of Jesse Marsh and – uh, so yeah, I, I want to see your take on, on that quote that just recently came out in the last couple of days. I, I mean, I think you, I think you said it well enough. Um, I think what, what a lot of the fan base though does come from is they believe they've done the analysis 
right. and point at. But it, I will say it does come to a degree where you can be too nitpicky mm-hmm. and you'll it, and to that degree, you'll still see players be like, Oh, and there's this, there's the bad touch. When there's that first, massive first touch. When it's Jedi. First, or second, <laughs> touch, first or second, like time of the ball for the match. Yeah. It's settling into it. Albeit we need our veterans to prove that they can do that a little bit quicker. So yeah. I will say first touch, Criticism on Robinson, in my opinion, fair. Saying he doesn't deserve to start, unfair. No. So that's like the that's like the comparison that I think Marsh is making. He's like, you can point at these things, but don't just outright say this person isn't deserving to wear the crest. Right. Right. Do the analysis. Talk about why there's a certain facet of someone's game that that you don't like or why you think a different decision should have been made. And remember that we're human, right? Mistakes are made, right? You're not out there playing. (laughs) Remember that. Most of us, at least, are not out there playing. So all in all, we go out, we get five points, we qualify for Qatar 2022. For sure. Five points. There are other ways to get there, but uh, let's not even discuss that. Let's just go out and get a result against Mexico. Take it one game at a time. The game ahead of you is the most important game. I will tell you, Matt. I am anxious. I am so nervous. I've basically been shaking all day. I'm gonna sleep tonight, but I'm not gonna sleep well. It is going to be a restless sleep, and. Uh, I'm excited, but I am so nervous. I I have a good friend that I also play soccer with coming over to watch the game tomorrow. He's his family's from Mexico, so he's a he's a Mexico fan and he watched the last World Cup qualifying game with me and oh man, it was it was such a blast to watch that with him and being on the winning side, but like I'm I'm nervous, man. <sighs> I'm still settling into my new job, so I'm gonna. I'm just tired. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna sleep as I normally do, and uh, but come game time, I'll be, I'll yep. be on the edge of my seat. Oh boy! Alrighty. Well, this is kind of an impromptu episode. It's been a long hiatus. We will plan to continue at some capacity. Um, we just felt that this was an apt time, as any to re-enter the sphere of talking from us to your ear. Yeah, I don't know if I like that, but we're going to move on. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, We really dragged this one out, but um, it's fun to be back and doing this again. So we'll – who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll put one out after the Mexico match. Maybe we'll put one out at the end of the cycle. We'll definitely put one out at the end of this this cycle but um we'll see if any more come before then so once again thanks good to be back this is up and over you can catch us on instagram at mbfc underscore up and over or matt on twitter i freaking forget what it's, called. <laughs> it's, it's been, been so long it's it's uh oh. listen to an older episode you'll get yep. it yep <laughs> so go back and find us somehow 
and let's see if Matt can remember his login to the Twitter account. Oh. All right. Peace out. <laughs>